Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christianity Saturdays. This program is being pre-recorded for Saturday, July 8th, 2017. Today we have something quite different. We have an old friend here this evening named David Burton. David was born, raised, and educated in Northern California. His father was a residential real estate broker for most of his life, so David grew up around the house-flipping business in California, back in its heyday in the 1950s and 60s. Upon graduation from the University of the, P of the Pacific in 1973, David attended California State University at Hayward. His first ambition, evidently following his childhood experience, was to become an architect or land developer. But upon graduation, he went to work for IBM at their Santa Teresa laboratory. Now David's background is in systems analysis and design, data management, funds management, portfolio management, economics, and banking. In 1984, he moved to New York City and worked for Morgan Stanley, Citigroup, the Federal Reserve Bank, and others. In 1990, he moved to Atlanta and worked for Dun & Bradstreet and IBM, as well as other companies. In 1994, he moved back north to upstate New York and worked under contract and in ad hoc situations from then on. It was David's experience in New York City that really began to wake him up to understand that the world was not what it seemed. He went there to make his way, only to discover that underpinning the New York Society, were criminal activities surrounding child abuse, the family court system, the criminal payoffs which were necessary to politicians and the government organizations supporting them to get one's children out of their clutches, and ultimately the organized child trafficking, pedophilia, pornography, and other horrors to which such children are subjected. We are not going to discuss any of this presently, and David himself would only warn people to stay away from it. Married from 1985 to 1994, his wife now deceased with two adult children, David is legally blind. He is also a classical music pianist and somewhat knowledgeable about pianos. In 2006, before he knew anything about Christian Israel identity or two seed line. He wrote a science fiction adventure mystery novel titled The Linton Bequest. Despite the shortcomings he now sees as obvious, he still thinks it is worth reading. In 2011, acting on a commission from his now deceased British mentor, he began the E.C. Regal blog which contains a proposal for an alternative monetary system based on the ideas of self-taught American economist Edwin Clarence Regal from Indiana. It was about the same time that David encountered the Christian Israel identity and two seed line messages. The blog is found at ecregal.blogspot.com and we shall have links with the publication of this program at Christagenia. From what we have seen in sources such as Wikipedia, 
EC Regal seemed to be and seems to, to have been an economic populist who despised any government intervention in markets and saw government issued money as a form of intervention by which markets were manipulated. David, thank you for joining us this evening and greetings. Praise, Praise Yahweh. Yahweh. Thank Praise you, Bill. Um, I guess we can proceed with uh, your questions. You can, you can interview me uh, any way you like. This is my very first widely dispersed radio podcast. So uh, thank you very much, Bill, for having me on. Well, thank you for being here. It, it's um that these questions often arise in in especially in Christian identity circles um, concerning money, and and it seems to me that maybe <laughs> myself also needs them as much as anybody. Most people don't even know what money is, or or, or whose money we're using. I, I mean. Identity Christians are usually attuned to whose money we're using. We still need to, to discuss that. Why we need our own money. We should start with what money is. Because it's, it seems to be difficult for many people to understand the concept of money. Alright. Well, money, you, um, you were very about the derivation of the word and connecting it with weight. Well, well right. The uh, original word... Has... I'm sorry. The original Hebrew word mona is something weighed out and, and that eventually became the Latin word moneta and, and our word money. It, it was something weighed out that you could use in exchange for something else. Right. So what we have here is a commodity which is used to price all other commodities. That essentially is what money has been for thousands of years. And that makes sense because all other commodities would have a value assigned to it in, in this one commodity, such as gold or silver. Right. Now... Just because something has been going on for thousands of years in certain ways does not mean, like child trafficking, for example, uh, does not make it right. And we have a situation where we can say certain things about commodities. One of them is, well, depending on how much of it one has and how useful it is, uh, it becomes valuable or worthless, uh, depending upon those things. Supply and demand. And we have the determination of price, um, usually referred to as the discovered price. In other words, if you have a limited quantity of this quantity called money that is used to price other commodities or things that you need, then you determine um, how much you are able to pay for the items that you need based on the commodity of money that you have. So that's a basic understanding that we sort of all have about what money is. We, we realize that it's some kind of a commodity. In other words, it's 
it's unitary. It has, you know, we can evenly number it. We can evenly divide it, uh, no matter what it's made out of. You know, they could be slips of paper. They can be pieces of silver or gold. But essentially, this concept of the weight of a particular commodity that is used to price all other commodities, that is essentially what everybody's sort of root understanding of money really is. Well, well, the scripture consistently warns about the use of unfair weights and measures, so it seems that people have been ripping each other off with money ever since money's been conceived as a concept. Right. And uh, we're not going to get anywhere by going back to a gold or a silver-based money because that only benefits people who have a lot of gold and silver. It doesn't benefit anybody else because gold and silver are themselves commodities that are used for other commercial purposes besides money. You know, they're used in electronics, they're used in jewelry and so on and so forth. So, um, well, we can't go get our own gold and silver. We we would be dependent upon other currencies to, to acquire it. Right. So we're so, really, even if we use gold and silver for exchange between ourselves, that still depends on somebody else's currency. Exactly. As a matter of fact, uh, curiously, in um, Arthur Kitson's uh, book, which is also referenced on the blog, um he mentions that they actually took the stamps off of gold and silver coins and passed them around to see whether they would exchange, and uh, they would not. So, in other words, you couldn't just have a blank, you know, a piece of gold or a piece of silver with nothing on it and expect it to be accepted as money. It wouldn't even be recognized as, either, you know, who's to say whether it was really gold or silver? And then we have as some people know, the tremendous fake-outs that have been going on with precious metals since forever, like coating bars of tungsten with gold, since tungsten and gold have roughly the same weight. Or uh, every time a this has been going on, recorded it down through history in medieval times when a, when a, um, a clerk would... Uh, pound the gold and the silver into the tray so that there would be little flecks of them that would sort to the bottom and then they would collect these flecks and, and then remint them. Coin See, this is all ways that uh, various middlemen um, were able to cheat the public, as it were. Um, but the whole system has also been a circle between the government usually and the public, as in the king, uh, getting all the gold and silver in the realm through taxation and then minting it and then spending it back into the economy. That has essentially been the flow of money also for hundreds of years, long time. Now, behind all of that, and unbeknownst to the public have been the financiers and the bankers. And the word bank literally comes from the word bench, and it derives from uh, people who sat 
outside fairs during the Middle Ages. You had these penniless peasants and other people that would wagon their uh, farm produce into these fairs and their animals too. And these fairs were usually fenced off and usually guarded as well. In other words, once you were in, you were in, and once you, you know, you couldn't, because the coin, you go to the bank on the side and get your coin, and the bank would determine how much your produce was worth and give you coin for it. And then you would go somewhere else in the fair and take those coins and spend them on what you really wanted to put back in your wagons and take back to your farm. So that process shows that money's value and chief function is to split barter because what those fairs were was barter fairs. And you have barter fairs of various kinds among various people all over the world. You had them among the American Indians, both before and after the appearance of the white man. You had them in Asia. You had everywhere. You've had this sort of similar idea of, oh, let's go to a central place, let's take what we have and barter for what we need there and bring it back. And, and These, with, you know, with certainty, the money agent at the fair would be making a profit. With certainty. Now, what's really important about this, and I want everybody to pay close attention because words do matter, we have a word called capitalism that flows around. Capitalism is an ism with capital. Capitalism is like, I've got an itch because I've got all this extra money that I need to earn something on. When you're talking about capitalism, you're always talking about boiling it down, as I like to do, Bill. I like to boil stuff down. Capitalism is essentially the making of money on money without work. And the Greek philosophers even struggled with that as a moral principle. That they, some it is, um, frankly, it is. if you take a look at what capitalism really is and what it does, it cannot be regarded as anything more than stealing from the rest of the productive population. Period. End of story. I would agree. Well, when you say split barter, when I give you money for something, that's only half of a barter transaction. So, exactly. So you have to the go other take half is going the money. To be, right. You have to take yep. the money and fulfill the other half of the transaction. Yeah. And then that transaction is closed and the money issued disappears. But our money never disappears. <laughs> our money never disappears. I'll tell you how it disappears. If you spend uh, $500 for something, and a week later, you can't sell it for a hundred, four hundred dollars that you just spent for it has disappeared, never to return. Never to return to now, me. Never to return to me. You have tokens, but those tokens, those tokens went somewhere, and they do what they do. But the actual money, as a as a matter of accounting, is gone. So all money dies in depreciation. That's another rule everybody needs to know. Well, well it dies. Money does. Uh, I'm sorry, how how does, uh, I, I need to know how the money dies. It dies to me. It dies to you, and it die, anything that is depreciated, that cannot be sold for the value that, you know, that originally purchased it, that 
that money is no longer there and it no longer circulates. It's gone. It's dead. I, I understand that fully. But and money is always issued by the first buyer, usually the government in in most modern cases. But what I'm so saying is the cash, is, I'm, I'm looking at this from this another is, angle, the cash doesn't disappear, though, if, if we use government cash to pay for something. The, ca the cash, the paper circulates around, the gold or silver would circulate around. Now, the um, the Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve Bank, they retire the cash. And that's an accounting, that's totally accounting, and that's where the true nature of money is essentially accounting is... Uh, that's that's where all of the uh, madness and where the reality is too, because um, you can't have money without. Ultimately, you can't have a monetary system. I'll say that you cannot have a monetary system without accounting, and you can't have that without accounts, and that would mean ultimately in the regal uh, the proposed regal system that um, each member would have their own individual accounts and they would all be on one ledger that's very important because regal thought and he probably was right that if you allow multiple ledgers as we have now all over the world every bank has their own ledger every business has its own ledger etc but if fundamentally all of the ledgers are different, then you can have somebody run from ledger to ledger and ledger and cheat. And that's what we have. It happens in the securities business a lot, and it happens in the banking business to an even greater extent. We probably don't even know. Well, well, what you're saying, if, if you sell me something worth $100 and I take the object and give you $500 for it, I might look pretty stupid, right? But but you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you think that tomorrow you can sell it for a thousand dollars. But but you're actually ripping off the entire community and not necessarily merely the individual. Yeah, well, anybody who is um, they've got a hundred dollars and they basically say, I demand from the rest of society a seven seven percent return on my $100 within a certain length of time. So you put that out and it basically is used to, to finance things that people, finance is, again, boiling it down. Finance is being able to afford that which you cannot, is being able to buy what you cannot afford on the day that you buy it. So a lot of heavy equipment and businesses and houses and things that you know you'd have to save up a lot to be able to afford them so you go into some kind of a finance arrangement with somebody so that you can buy the thing and have it today and you pay down on it um all of that is uh, is capitalism because the capital has to be there to finance um the purchase for the buyer. Uh, the capitalists, they could be doing something else, but meanwhile, their money is burning this 
interest on the rent of their money. They're basically renting their money out to be used in financial transactions. Okay. Um, there is something immoral about it in that there was no work. There was no value uh, added to the community for the money that was made. One of the remarkable reasons why Germany was able to rebuild so quickly is because everybody was contributing value to society under that system. Um, and they got paid for it, and things got better remarkably fast because the Germans are fairly industrious people, and if they're able to get value for value, they usually go for it. You know? Well, well, I would like to talk about that also. I, I would like to talk about some of these other alternative um, alternative currencies. The, the usury issue you started to get into, and I interrupted you. Uh, of course, very use- important. It's the root of it all. Usury. Again, let's boil it down. It's asking back or demanding back that which was not created in the first place. The user inevitably ends up owning all the property. It's like a giant sucking sound. Right. It's inevitable in in any closed community. Ultimately, the world is a closed community, right? I I mean, ultimately, it is. But we don't get material from other places. We have a limited amount of material that we could produce. A ultimately a limited amount of of, um, objects with. Right. That, so, so in a in any closed system, if you don't have an infinite amount of material you could bring in from outside, you, you have a closed system. Right. The usurer is ultimately going to end up owning everything because the money that he produces always requires more labor and material than 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 the what's being produced with it by the person that borrows it. He he always needs more back, and and he's going to inevitably end up owning everything because he's always getting it more also back. It also produces something else between us. Everybody who is involved in this particular kind of usury-based system ends up having to get it out of everybody else, so it creates a competitive kind of cutthroat society because everybody's trying to get that extra that was never created back to the financiers. Right. Right. You're going to raise your prices and then that's going to force me to raise my prices and and it spirals. That's one form of it. There are many other forms of it, but essentially, yeah. Um, So this Chasing of the of the interest to pay back the interest on debt, ultimately going right back to the to the uh, central government and the central bank behind that is um, it actually creates a cutthroat society, and we deal with it the best we can. And most people regard money as foreign to them, which it is. The reactions are correct. I know a little bit more about Hitler's Reichsmarks, which, which were based on the actual labor of the country, than Lincoln's Greenbacks. Can can we discuss them? Do you? Can, can, well, sure. 
All right. Um, I'm going to reference the regal system as proposed because you know, people might as well know. Um, we have things called labor contracts. A labor contract is between an employer and an employee. The employee is paid in his own money. So what he does, and he issues his own money, the only people in a regal system who can issue money are the members, the individual members. Not even companies can issue money. Only individual members, human beings, people can issue money in the regal system. So the regal system labor contract, the employee takes the whole amount of the contract and issues it to the employer. The employer can use that money while it is being, while the worker is being, uh, is doing his job until the worker gets paid. And the sums of the worker's compensation are paid back. And um, so the loan basically at no interest from the employer, from the employee to the employer is paid back to the employee. And the uh, employer gets the use of the float of the money before he has to pay the employee back. This is what rebuilt Germany very fast. This is the essence of the regal system. This is how better than 90% of all the value units, international standard value units in the system would be issued. Um, it's... Uh, it puts it puts the the power, the will, the fiat in the hands of the people as individuals where it belongs, not in the hands of any government or bank. So so regal regal system is similar to that of Gottfried Federer? Yeah, I believe though I have not really I've skimmed Federer and I intend to do more work certainly on Gottfried Federer. That will be coming up, definitely. But uh, I believe they're roughly the same. Except that Hitler used a state to sort of back it, to give, to, you know, he recorded all the contracts. They were all, they were all state-sanctioned, as it were. Which basically, oh, well, you know, this is, the state is behind it, so the Germans naturally as a cultural thing would do what their state told them to do. We're not as used to that here in America as we're used to having a state that, I don't know, looks like Disneyland and functions like, um, I don't know, some horror story, figure it out. The the American state is... (laughs) always favored the, the commercial interests the, the United so States always. Constitution I, I mean I understand that it was made by good Christian men and and, and it was basically a um, compromise by good Christian men as to how they could um, cooperate together in trade but because of that it, it always favored commerce and, and never favored and- it always favored, it always the favored their money. 
you know, as soon as you have a constitution which was prescribed so that the said federal government could borrow money, as soon as you allowed that, see, Tom Jefferson was right, you know, as soon as you allow government to borrow money, then, then you've got real trouble. And the government was not able to borrow money prior to the Constitution. Um, I believe that the government has the right to tax people for certain public works that would be covered under the Constitution. But that would be at a state level rather than a federal level. Were we benefited by having some of these federal programs done? Well, I don't know, but I've looked at the history of it, and it goes back to the 1840s and 50s when you had some people with remarkably similar ideas to people wandering around today. You know, they support corporations, central banks, um, government handouts of various kinds, basically involving the government in the economy, all of these things, and, uh, you know, we have maybe the interstate highway system, and we have transcontinental railroads, and we have things like that that got off the ground because of this, because they take tremendous amounts of money to finance. But essentially, and taken for granted by most people, since the time of... Uh, the 1780s and 90s, uh, we have pretty much been under the control of the banking and financial sources, uh, not only behind the scenes here, but um, really from their headquarters, which is the city of London. And we have been under them really uh, since 1815. This is why I call the period we've been living under since 1815 mystery Babylon because it fits everything we know about history and, and, and where we are in time from scripture I, I don't know it seems to me the constitution conflicts with itself where it gives the government the right to borrow money and the right to coin money I, 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 to coin money to me means to create it I, I don't know how how they that they should have both that should be one or the other that they're either well, in 1792 the man who knows more about this than anyone else probably is Edmund Vieira and he wrote a book called Pieces of Eight this is a two a huge two volume set of books which contains the entire legal history of the dollar and uh, the Yeah. Hello, David. You, you, you temporarily yeah. dropped out. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, the dollar uh, started in 1792 and um, was silver. And uh, it, it lasted for a little while. Um, and then uh, the foreign bankers decided they'd rather be on a gold standard rather than a silver standard. 
So they tried that for a while as well, but um, there was never enough money because you, it was all based on usury. People who think that we can solve anything by going back to silver and gold and still have a fractional reserve banking, which is another thing, um, they're, they're crazy. We, we, we will not succeed by going back to any of their systems from the past. We have to devise our own. Adolf Hitler's system seemed to have worked because it was um, very. It, it was very similar to what you describe. It was a. It, it was a totally new from scratch system. It didn't rely on gold. It didn't rely on silver. It it only relied on the labor of the nation, and for all transactions outside of the nation, he used direct barter transactions. It, is that fair right. to say? Yes, that's, that's essentially what he did. So Hitler uh, didn't so try to revert for machine products. For right. Hitler didn't try to revert to gold and silver-based systems like you just described. That that couldn't no. succeed. No, he never did do that. And and what about now, um? Lincoln's greenbacks really weren't based on anything, as far as I'm I. I believe well, Lincoln's greenbacks were uh, exactly what Napoleon wanted to do which um, is where the government issues interest free um, tax notes basically is what they are and these are the government gets the right of first purchase in the economy and after that, the, uh, these tokens circulate and are taxed back by the government to cover what um, the government spent, basically. That's how you balance things in the uh, old, old orderly fashion. But if the government is the only source of money and government spending is the only source of, monet of economic stimulus, then you have really lopsided stuff going on. The, the government buys what it wants, not what you or I want. Seriously. What about these new alternative con currencies? I, I would just like to mention them, describe them briefly. I, I mean, these are also artificial systems, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, that they seem to have gotten popular. To me, they prove that you can get people to use an alternative currency as long as it's usable to them, as long as it's accessible to them. Well, anything can serve as money as long as it has that ability to split barter. And, and what and makes these popular is getting people to accept them as money. It, it's that as, simple. For example, if I have sufficient Bitcoin. Maybe there's somebody over there in anywhere from Costa Rica to East China, whatever, who's willing to sell me a condo for Bitcoin. So as long as people are willing to accept it, it can be used as currency. As yeah, as because people are going to accept the money if they know where they can spend it. We accept dollars because we know we're, we we know anybody will will take them if we we can spend them. 
if uh, if I have your money and you have mine and it's based on the same standard and we have a bunch of brothers and sisters that have things that we want and we know that they'll take them, then we know where we can spend those that money. Uh, if it's Bitcoin, same is true. The only problem with Bitcoin is you've noticed that Bitcoin has gone up and down tremendously in price. It is a limited com- commodity, and it is speculated upon. The fact of the matter is, any commodity serving as money is going to be speculated upon because of, oh, its needs uh, locally and more broadly, and the idea that the actual commodity is pricing things can go up and down like that, well... People are using this as a buy-and-hold instrument also, and they're expecting to sell it off to somebody else. Isn't isn't Bitcoin just like a theoretical sort of commodity? It's a theoretical commodity, but people are using it. So to the extent that they're using it, it becomes a real commodity, you know, a real uh, virtual commodity. How about that? This is really blurring the line. Sounds like an oxymoron, um, but what we have with the Regal base system, Regal's distinct contribution, which I don't think I can credit him with because Kitson stumbled upon it as well. And I believe it goes all the way back to Solomon's time, but I can't prove it. Well well let's is, if you want, let's talk about the Regal base system from the beginning and and and, and the theoretical unit called the Valen, I, I guess exactly. I Exactly, yes. Let, let's talk about that from the beginning. Regal himself called it, and he said that it would have to be a unit of purchasing power that was fixed in time. So, so this is a proposed currency um, to replace all of these other currencies that are available to us that are not that that belong to um what does bitcoin belong to i i'm i mean we understand that the the dollar really really is simply a unit that's printed and manipulated or created and manipulated by these international banks just as they do yeah that they're unique currencies in in every country in in every governmental unit or nation they're not really nations any longer well well the the um bitcoin is also produced mysteriously by a process that most people don't even understand and and these other theoretical internet currencies that have popped up also are ethereum and litecoin well well the valen you, you had made the um argument that we need our own money perhaps we want to start there and the importance of that it's really simple if you don't issue it it isn't yours it's it's somebody else's you're using it as money it accomplishes what money does which is to split barter for you but other than that it is not your money so ultimately, uh, your stake in any of that is um, based on what somebody else is doing uh, that you have no control over. 
and that's the case of silver and gold as well as any of the um, paper or Ethernet or uh, and, and internet the, related currencies. If it's, it's not all, your money, the, the contention is that it can be easily manipulated so that you could be robbed. You can take it from you. Right. So that you could be robbed by, by um, whoever has You'd the power robbed. to manipulate it. You'd be robbed on First paper. First of all, a regal, a, a valen is your money. There's In a valen system, first of all, we call them exchanges, not banks. We, uh, because we pay, no, nobody gets paid any interest for holding valens or issuing them or anything like that. Um, a valen is based on a transaction at a particular time. And uh, uh, Regal used dollars at the end of a particular period. He w wanted to base the uh, Valen on a dollar. And looking at things realistically, I came and said, no, we're going to base it on gold and dollars. Specifically, what an ounce of gold sold for that you could actually have in your hand on November 2nd, 2011. 11 to 2011. A, a, a nice date that's easy to remember. Uh, on that date, you could have had an ounce of gold for $2,160. We simply take that $2,160, divide it by 1,000, and you have a valen, which is worth $2.16 at inception. That transaction is now worth $2.79 because the price of gold has fallen. Therefore, in order to equal the amount of the original transaction, you have to give me more gold. There's no way to cheat anyone in a Valen system. If the price of gold goes above $2,160, a new inception point is chosen above that, never lower. Therefore, as the price of gold or silver will generally fall, the Valen gets harder and harder relative to every other currency. We okay. intend specifically to make the Valen the hardest money on earth. Here here I might be a little confused. Why if if we're going to tie the value of a Valen to the price of gold, why not use gold as a currency? Because they control the value of gold through all of their um, their trading places. They control gold from the mines, through the mints, through the, the, the gold exchanges over in London. They control the prices of gold. It's their money. And all we need is a rough exchange valuation with their world, and that's what the Valen evaluation allows us. Why do we need an exchange value with the outside world? I'm I'm curious. I'm just playing. Because if somebody says, well, you know what? Um, the, the outside world is crumbling and I need to get out of it. Then I need to plan for the future. The Titanic is sinking. I am going to need to transition into the balance system. And uh, we will need... We, we will not be able to hold dollars because that's their 
that it belongs to them. It says Federal Reserve on it. It belongs to the Federal Reserve. It does not belong to you or I. So, but, but so far we can hold gold and silver. So that's why we use gold and silver. Yet we have a, a, a way of converting. At any given day, I can tell you what the exchange rates for any of this are. They're on the blog. I keep up with it. All you have to do is plug in the closing, um, the closes for gold and silver, and you get brand new Valen equivalents. It's all on a spreadsheet. It's very simple. All this stuff is so simple. What's complicated is all of their methods of figuring out how to cheat people, <laughs> selling them derivatives contracts, doing, um, the biggest one was, um, Credit default swaps. That was a big one. I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the the dangers or benefits of basing the Valen on their gold price. That might take me a while. Well, you base it on nearly their highest gold price because you want to preserve all this is doing is establishing a unit of purchasing power relative to their system, period. That's all it does. If we do it with gold, with an ounce of gold, the other thing that spies us is we can help our friends in Britain, we can help our friends in Europe, we can help our friends in Russia, we can help, etc. in South Africa, we can help our friends in Australia, we can help our friends up in Canada. Because we will have an ounce of gold. We will know from their markets, not ours, what that is. We will plug that in and say, okay, what is the current value in that of our inception transaction? Which happened, well, it's already been done, November 2nd, 2011. So how do I issue a Valen, or do I have to purchase one? If you purchased one, you'd say, give me $2.79 a valent today, and I would turn around and buy gold, and that gold would belong to the exchange. This is not a gold-backed money. But you would be able to purchase valents that way, and you would be increasing the money supply of valents by doing that. However, this is not a money laundry, so you wouldn't get your money out in dollars as you would in Bitcoin. Because all of that stuff is basically money laundering. I mean, you know, you can you can pull in dollars from overseas in Bitcoin and receive them somewhere else in dollars. And who's to be the wiser? Those are money laundries. The Fallon system is to be the ultimate base money. In other words, you don't go lower than this. <laughs> you don't go lower than something that comes directly from the people. So how do you get Fallon's who work for them? You work for them in a series of parallel contracts with your regular job. This is also not a tax dodge. So at the end of the year, the uh, company, which you own as being a member of a Valen community or a part owner, you get a 1099 at the end of the year determining on the dollar of value of what additional taxes you may have accrued as long as we have income taxes. Uh, you have to pay them in their money. 
And uh, that should be understood, too. What this is intended to do is to promote more commerce, to promote more economy, the movement of money, to promote ultimately independence from their system because it's not going to be around forever. It really won't. (laughs) You can't build something on a fraud and expect it to last. And this one has been tried again and again and again and again and again, and it crashes every now and often and uh, with usually horrific results. A lot of people lose everything they had, starve, whatever. I mean, this this is in the past. If I want to use an alternate system to split butter, I I want a system that's going to take me out of the government system, that I have no income, that I have no income. If, If I do something for you and you do something for me in exchange, there is no income. I don't want to file a 1099 form. Yeah, a lot of people have that have that attitude, and I don't blame them. But uh, we we are under um, there's a lot of restrictions that we have to live with um, to get anything, because one of the first things we have to realize is that we live under a form of mild dictatorship already. Well, I understand all that, but but if I come to your house. And and um, you can't mow your lawn, so so David, I mow your lawn for you. I don't want to associate. It. I, I mean, I know that there is a value associated with that, but I don't want to associate a value to that that anybody outside of you and I understands. And if you want to repay me by giving classical piano lessons to my son yes and and you give a um a, a, a roughly equal amount of classical piano lessons to my son well that then i don't want to associate a value with that and and neither of us have income quote unquote right so right. we want to split this bother with valens I don't want to file a tax return on on these valens. I'm not doing it. That that's why I want yeah, out of the government system. That's a big one. But on on the other hand, um, if you any if you use any of these Bitcoin, Litecoin, any of this stuff, and um, you're subject to you're subject to um, capital gains taxes. After a certain increase uh, in any Only of those. when I want to convert it back to their system. Right. That I understand. When we use their money, yet, you know, Christ said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Because that's Caesar's. Our, that's my attitude throughout the whole blog is unfortunately, we have to deal with Caesar. Right, but not if we're not using the, the money that's coined with Caesar's image. <laughs> I mean, if I, um, if I use. There have been a number of people who have told me, they said, if you have the self-financing of labor, then basically anything that I am paid back in balance should be tax-free because I lent the money to the employer and was just paid back with my own money. Now, once I created it out of my own will or fiat, was my 
business and my allowance under the a community um, accord that I live under in a being a member of an owner, part owner of a local Valen exchange. Yeah, but I mean, if somebody offered me a job paying me $70,000 a year with benefits, uh, I realized that would change a lot of things for me tax-wise, and I would pay more taxes, but I would assume more benefit. There are a lot of people out there, Bill, who are tremendously talented and have no way to make anything out of their talents. And if they were able to ask 80% of their value in valence and 20% in dollars to cover their taxes, then uh, there would be fewer people leaning on the existing tottering system and, um, well, eventually, the Valen and the Valen-based, local-based systems would would prevail every, every bit as much as, say, the Amish have. And they certainly pay taxes. <laughs> well, well, the Amish, the, the Amish pay taxes on, on only on their income that they receive from outside sources. They've been forced into that because they have to pay property taxes. Yes. And, and, and we all pay property taxes, and, and that's their system, and I will engage in their currency in, in order to satisfy my requirements in their system. But if I'm working in, in another, if I have my foot, I have my feet, I picture this as wanting to have my feet in two separate worlds at, at the same yeah, time. And, and what I do in, in the Valen world, I'm not going to want to pay taxes on it. I'm not doing it for profit. I'm doing it and as, as if I were giving my services to a community. And and expecting services back from that community in in favor. As far as the the the, um, the material world is concerned, everything I do in this community, standing on my other leg, is in favor and and in gift. It's not taxable. If I'm not exchanging government money. It's not taxable. If I come over and mow your lawn for you as a favor, that's not taxable. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a fellow here in this, in this town that um, mows lawns all over town, and he gets paid for it. And I guarantee you he probably not only pays taxes, but he's organized as a business. He deducts. Uh, from his taxes, depreciation on all of the equipment he uses. He's, I'm sure, a very shrewd uh, from that standpoint operator. So, again, it depends. Uh, another one thing that I like to get across to people is I know we don't want to really commercialize all of our lives and make it all value for value, trade for trade, uh, What's the money value of this service that I'm doing for you compared to that? But the truth of the matter is we need other things such as 
um, somebody's eggs, somebody's corn, somebody's um, bread and butter, uh, salad, whatever it is uh, that we eat. And um, we need to ultimately have uh, places to live and energy to keep us warm in the wintertime and things like that. A variety of needs that uh, money would serve. And those that don't have any of their money or very little of it uh, would certainly be benefited by having another alternate possible source of money, which uh, to begin with would cost them very little. Uh, We're talking about dues of the equivalent of one valen a year, which uh, at $2.79 a year for having... um, a membership stake in a community organization that would get you ultimately free of them is um, is is something to consider. Well, well, right. It it absolutely is something to consider as long as I don't have to file a ten ninety nine form. That that's my point. <laughs> it, my point is that under current law, and I I, I we can agree that uh, income tax is immoral. It is literally immoral to tax somebody's labor and to tax somebody's time. And it is literally immoral to tax more the more you get for your time. So both the the progressive income tax and the income tax per se, I regard as immoral. But Caesar is the dictator. And Caesar says, if you are going to operate a company within the confines of the the United States of America Corporation, then you 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 have su- have to have to have something uh, to account for income on whatever this extra money is, or you're considered to be a tax dodge. Meanwhile, now they have these foundations and GMOs and uh, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, and, um, you know, these guys are tax dodges for their rich. And, uh, you know, they they run all kinds of operations through the government and have for well over 100 years, and nobody knows who cares about it because these guys have got more money than God. Well, that's fine. That's not for our proposal is to help our brothers and sisters up and down the street rather than somebody in some faraway city we don't even know. Okay, well, I'm going to have to really think about this one that because um, my, my idea of having... I'd really like to get a lawyer uh, to help make the case that um, such a thing should not be subject to income taxes. I would love that. Are you well, kidding? Well, as far as I'm concerned, there's no income. There's no income unless I'm using their money. That's that's my point. That they can't. Yeah. That they cannot tax my bother. That that's why money was. Um, that that's why people became forced to use money by government so that they could tax their bother. It, it's exactly I, I mean, right. That the governments just couldn't. Um, couldn't tax people unless they used their currency because they couldn't collect taxes in in 
in, in goods and materials. It, if Chevrolet wanted to pay its taxes, made cars and wanted to pay its profits in, in cars, it, it would have to dump 100,000 cars on the White House salon, right? What are they going to do with 100,000 cars? And, and right. that's what was happening in the medieval kings. So the medieval kings started employing the Jew and and that their money in order to collect taxes, <laughs> because the medieval kings didn't need twenty thousand chickens and five hundred thousand hams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so if if if. Yeah. It, if I go around uh, around town and mow all of my friends' lawns, and and I collect a few chickens and hams doing it, the the government that these things are are gifts and favors, and the government has no power to tax me. Uh, I mean, any tyrant can come into your home and and bully you and take your stuff, but they really have no power to compel me to pay taxes on what my associates gave me. And even the government understands that, and, and gifts are not taxable. So, so Well, if we could uh, consider this whole thing a basically a some kind of a mutual gifting system. Yeah, it's, it's Christian perhaps communion. Perhaps it would work. To me, it's Christian communion, and, and the government has no business taxing Christian communion. That that's when you use Caesar's currency. That that's what what I believe Christ was saying is that Caesar made that coin. You you got to give it to him. You got to pay your taxes because you're using his currency. Absolutely right. You're, you're using his system, his money, his currency, and if you want to do that, yet you have to pay the the, the piper. That that's the way I look at that. The passage. thing is, uh, and I had to look into this from a, a slight legal perspective and. What I, I was able that. to find out was that under the United States uh, general codes having to do with any alternative money, um, it has to be relatable in some form to dollars. It has to be, um, you, you, you can't claim that by using it, it's uh, tax, you know, in other words, any additional value you create through this system is still taxable to them under with their money. Uh, that would be that would fit fine as well. Um, there were certain states that would not allow alternative currencies or make it very difficult, such as the states of Arkansas and Virginia. Um, the state of New York has uh, an alternative currency in Ithaca, which is an hours-based system, but you still have to pay income taxes on any Ithaca hours you earn or use because they're in charge. They're Caesar, and they claim these things. You cannot also circulate as an alternative currency anything worth less than a dollar. So the um, the proposed fee check, which I didn't even get into, is like a sort of circulating traveler's check, circulating open checks, which would be very nice. I intended them to be very, very nice looking, but so varied in pattern that 
counterfeiting them would be ridiculous. Um, these things would be uh, would have the designation of the local exchange on one side. They would have advertising that individual members would buy on the other side. This would uh, defray the printing prices, costs, and so on and so forth. Because you do need circulating tokens. Hmm. That would have to be given a lot of thought because it is pretty easy to counterfeit many things or or just about anything in in the computer age. Yeah. But what you have to do is make it so that it's um, specific enough and uh, but even so, again, because of a uh, law that I'm aware of, you can you can circulate these up to six months without. In other words, we can we can have these things which will circulate for six months, and uh, at the end of six months, you can either have them replaced with ones or you can have them deposited into your account, even if they're expired. You can still have them replaced or deposited into your account, but the um, only the ones within six months can be used as a circulating form of money. Um, so there, there are certain laws that um, so that while we're at it, have to be um, have to be followed and. I would appreciate uh, a lawyer who would be of our um, our persuasion with the with the rest of the uh, the Christian identity and to see line messages to come forward and be able to help us uh, sort out what would be required to get something like this together. But believe me, it has to be from the will of the people, the members of such an organization. Not any bank or not any government. It has to be something that we decide to do, to engage in, um, among ourselves. And yeah, it would be for profit, but it would be value. It would be growth in value, not growth in money. That's the the, the words of Christ, as far as I'm concerned. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, so that you may give unto... Yahweh, what is Yahweh's, what belongs to, yeah. to, to Yahweh, I see that in 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 the um, in the perspective that when we use, when we engage with the worldly system and we use the implements of the worldly system, we have to pay the worldly ruler. But what Christians do for one another cannot be taxed. What they do freely for one another cannot be taxed. So an alternative value system, an alternative currency, if you will, an alternative value system is what I would prefer to call it, would 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 be able to allow Christians to do things for one another apart from Caesar. That that's my my um My own way of looking at what we should want an alternative, an, an alternative system to be. I don't know if I want to call it a currency. I guess you would have to have ultimately call it a currency. If, if you're, 
um, for example, if you're mowing my lawn and I decide to give you a five valen V check, it should be roughly fifteen dollars. Thirteen thirteen dollars and change. Um and you took that. Uh and you deposited that into your account, then it would be deposited in what we call the income balance. And it might subject you to taxation. If, however, you took my five valen V check and you went and bought somebody's produce with it, then it would never go into your income account and it would never be taxable. Who would, in the, the ability of cash to offer anonymity is something they want to take away from us. And uh, this was something that the V check would restore. It's another um, thing. Now, people do avoid taxation by cash transactions all the time. And the extent that it is true, I can tell you from my own personal experience in retail, is probably close to mm, 30% in some areas and in some stores. In other words, 30% of their income that they derive somehow, they would not have to pay income on it because there wouldn't be any trail for it. See, the reason why the banks behind the governments want to have a trail on everything is precisely to make the taxes applicable because the taxes go first to the banks to pay the interest on the money that the government has borrowed from. Of course, cash drives them out crazy. Out of air. Cash drives them crazy, and they want to monitor every single transaction in our lives. So that they can and get a cut, so that there's no the transaction without their cut. The balance system is to offer cut. also an alternate cash. So the balance system, the, the, prim, the, the primary reason for its existence seems to be to create a theoretical currency that cannot be manipulated unfairly through inflation, deflation, um, and, and usury. Yeah, you can't beat it. Is that a good summary? Uh, you can't beat it, and uh, it would be supported totally by the will of the of the owners and users of it, and the basis of society itself, a basic agreement to use something between us to settle our transactions with that is apart from theirs. So theirs can go crazy in terms of prices, but meanwhile, a gallon of gas is probably going to be, um, you know, somewhere between a one and one and a half gallons. Because there are relationships between the prices of commodities, such as petroleum and gold, for example. And uh, gold and petroleum are both down. When gold goes up, petroleum frequently goes up, whatever. The prices for things in balance will always tend to be very, very stable, while the prices in dollars are always going up. Prices in euros are always going up. Everything is always going to go up. 
But if the mountain itself increases in value against all these other currencies, it can only increase up to $4.32. If gold was theoretically worth zero, that initial transaction would be worth $4.32 a balance. So this isn't some buy and hold, sky is the limit kind of thing against everybody else. It's uh, very tightly confined to very specific things. And over time, particularly long-term contracts, land contracts, things like that, the value is people are going to say, um, you know what? Uh, screw your government money. I'd rather have balance. That's what we hope to have happen. Because it's not based on debt to some imaginary group of individuals who think they have the right to um, lend into existence money they don't even have. So how does, yeah. a, how does a Valen come into existence? Valen comes into existence through 90% of them will be through labor contracts. The other way is if you're poor then each community will probably determine based on uh, 40-hour week um, and what a particular level of indigence is. We will allow an issuance uh, for such individuals. Um, it's what I describe as natural socialism, which isn't from the state. It's from the community. And it's given to people who are... Um, disabled among other things and we say if Caesar says the disabled can earn this much in their money we say they can earn the equivalent in valens except uh, they can issue the equivalent in valens except that the amount of their issuance uh, is made at one point only and uh, continues. In other words, we don't allow any cost uh, adjustments to be figured in. You choose what time you want your issuance contract. It's another contract that you have at the exchange to begin, and you can terminate it or it's terminated at your death. And the balance that you uh, issued but um, or, or had to issue but did not issue become your property that you can um, will to someone else, another member, upon your demise. All of these things will figure into it. Um, so you can issue the balance if you work for them. You can buy them with other money, or you can, if you're poor, you have the right to issue them up to a limit. If you're poor, the best also, way to get if you're poor, the best way to get valens would be through a labor contract. <laughs> That's my opinion. I mean, it, if well, I, what you do is what you do is you go and you go into your local valen exchange and you say, uh, um, "Well, um, I fit the criteria. I have been approved by two other members. I uh, have a domicile. I've got the right to live here." and I'm an adult, and I receive Social Security up to this amount of dollars every month. And I demand in the rules of valenhood 
uh, the right to earn a subsistence in Valens as well. And no exchange will be able to turn you down, but it's up to the limit of what the government allows you. And you will make that one time, and then it goes from month to month, whatever, whatever the whatever the dollars are. So in other words, there is there is a welfare, as it were, part of this. But it is limited, and it's limited to um, certain classes of members. It's not like it's been done um, in the public system. It's not, not at all. Well, well, the Christian concept and, is he who doesn't work doesn't eat, so I, I, I'd have to take it. And there are very few people who will remain poor for very long. But we do claim that people who are aged, for example, who are uh, past the age of 65 and who are earning their Social Security, we claim that those people have accumulated accumulated social value and we are according them their right under um, under that system. And we're also uh, making redress for the fact that because all wealth must create income, you must have a living from anything called wealth. We can see that most people's living has naturally been taken from them and replaced with state socialism of one form or another. So this is a temporary measure because we anticipate through the system that most people will become wealthier and therefore uh, very, very few, if any, will will eventually need to resort to um, what we call natural socialism. The, um, I'm I'm not sure if it's the, the, the task of a monetary system to pay out social safety net security or, or um, it, if we want an alternative currency, it has to be in fair trade for value, does it not? I, I mean, I'm not in sure fair it's the trade task for value. of a monetary and system to even do Even Mr. Regal referred to these people as red inkers. And uh, yet, he said... If you expect the poor to get, ever get out of where they are, you have to avail them of an ability to actually trade value or to get value and to get the excess value that somebody... Let's face it. The person who works and who produces most efficiently is going to end up in a fair system. They're going to end up with most of the wealth or more of the wealth. And the poor person who has to spend everything that they get, uh, that that they spend is ultimately going to belong to those who are the wealthiest. Anyway, you have all of that, but rather than having the money lenders be the wealthiest, which is what we have now, we should always have had the most productive be the wealthiest. And that's what we would have under a balance system. Well, well that's the that's system of really, natural nobility. Right. I mean, that's the way it and is. And that's really what happened um, in um, under the, the German system as well for a brief period of time. People worked themselves out of their situations. There were still some pensioners. There were pensions that were allowed because 
there were some elderly people back in those times that needed to be taken care of that could no longer work. He didn't throw the elderly back into the workforce. He took care of them. There were basically four elements of German society that Hitler tried to preserve one way or the other. Um, there were the civil service, the army, the, uh, the, the land-owning groups within German society. And um, it was the fourth group. There was it was considered the the four pillars of German society before World War One. Probably the industrialists. Yeah, that was it. So you have the industrialists, the landowners, the army, and the civil service. Those were the four branches of German society that um, that they wanted to preserve. And they did so pretty much. That that's what what, what <clears throat> statism statism requires an organized welfare. As far as I've always been concerned, in in a Christian society, it should be up to the individual community members to determine whether someone is worthy of charity or not. And and yeah. that's because only the community members really know that person. And it, it's like Paul warning Timothy, and I'm about to cover this in, in the near future in greater depth, Paul warning Timothy to take in women who are really w- widows, who have raised faithful children, and 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 so forth, and, and been faithful to their husbands throughout their lives, but because women who are whores do not deserve Christian community. And, and I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of applicable circumstances for men as well. So there are people sure. who are worthy of Christian society and people who aren't, and, and age is not the determining factor. It, it's um, how a person lived one's life that is the determining factor. So, so there are moral issues there. And what we did was see we we said that you had to have two uh, sponsors or two you had to have you had to be this is a private endeavor this is not a public endeavor it is not open to everyone to join us it is open to only those who the members decide to allow to join them well, well so any Christian some people said would be the this same is way. a private society. Yeah, it is a private society. This is private enterprise rather than capitalism. See, there's a there's a big difference there. Private enterprise is everyone's right. Capitalism is only the right of the rich to make money on their money without work. You know, we we promote one free enterprise. We promote. We don't want to promote capitalism at the expense of the right of free enterprise, which is what we've had happen <laughs> since forever. You know? Now, um, now this, this Valen system, uh, this Valen, this system of currency, it's loosely tied at least to the price of gold. It's loosely, tra- loosely tied to the price of gold, but it's not because it's tied to a particular transaction involving gold. 
So what is the current value of that transaction? That's the difference. Okay. So the volatility in the gold market shouldn't affect the price of the valent. The volatility in the gold market, as I said, the, the valent is going to fluctuate in exchange with their system from $2.16 to $4.32 should gold become worthless. Okay. For, uh, for instance, in 1999, uh, like in, in 1999, um, gold, the annual percentage returns measured in U.S. dollars in annual gold closing prices, annual closing gold prices was $290 U.S. dollars, and, and in... 2012, it was as high as 1,657 U.S. dollars. That's that. That's a change in in gold compared to the dollar of over 400 percent. Yes, yes. And in fact, um, you want to have the largest slice of purchasing power you can. My German friend uh, Georg said uh, that. The only alternative other than what I had chosen would be the ultimate all-time high of gold, which happened uh, the previous August. And uh, if that had been the case, then the present value of the balance would be over $3. And gold did dip sufficiently at one point for the value of the balance to uh, go over $3. But... Um, all of that has to do with their system and what prices we decide will be worth it. As I said recently, uh, five balance an hour would do most people real well, and ten dollars, ten balance an hour would do people quite a bit better. And um, if there were Golly, if, if some lawyer could come forth and say, well, because of the way this uh, this money is issued, it can't be taxed under income taxes, I can't even see that happening because I just can't see that happening. They never give up their taxing power, ever. Well, well that, that's right. They're not going to be – they're not going to give up their taxing power. It can be taxed as long as it's money. It can be taxed. And it, it's not really reflecting a... Um... Well, let me give you an example. Let's say that I'm a house painter, but I haven't been able to find work for house paying for the money that I need to be able to provide sufficient barter to feed my family of four. And let's say I'm a house painter. That's what I do. That's what I can do. Let's say I can do other things, too. But let's say I can't find work doing those things without, let's say somebody is willing to pay me, oh, $2, $3 an hour to paint their house, whereas I really need maybe $15 an hour. So the excess that I wasn't able to earn in dollars, I earn in balance. I keep my dollars and I use those to pay taxes and I spend all my balance or save them on things that I need to split barter around my community to help me with 
food, clothing, shelter, etc. Well, well, here's my outlook. It, if if I painted my own house, would the government tax me? If I went to the paint store and bought the paint and painted my own house and took my weekends doing it, could the government step in and say that I, I added $3,000 worth of value to my house, so I have to pay income taxes for $3,000? I think you're getting to something that's very interesting, Bill. Um, and it's another thing that we, we are not really aware of, which is, that the government taxing ability is for services that we do for other people that are perfect strangers of ours. And the government, and ultimately the bank behind them, wants to be able to tax um, as many transactions as they possibly can. And as far as I'm concerned, the government taxing ability comes through the use of their currency when you allow sure. them to record your transactions. Yeah. And, and if I paint my own house, I can't be charged an income tax on the labor I spent painting my own house. So if you paint my house and I raise cattle and I just give you two cattle two steers so you could feed your family and how is the government involved in that and and how can that be taxed that can't be taxed oh they'll um, have an assessor come and say oh bill you've got a nice newly painted house uh we're going to raise your tax assessment well, well they could raise the property tax that's the theoretically they could raise the property tax but the property tax is tied to the value of the house or the value of the property, it's not an income tax based on the, the cost of the paint job. Yeah. No, I, I, I still think that we're dealing with we, uh, we're dealing with a system that really wants to uh, steal value from as many people and as ways as they possibly can. But my point uh, is if we want an alternative value themselves. If we want an alternative system, it can only be um, free of them if we base it on Christian charity. You see what I mean? If, if, if we have a system based on Christian charity, that's what Christ was speaking of, then they can't tax us. We don't have to. It, it belongs to God and not to Caesar. That, that's that that's my um... we should be doing these things perhaps for each other anyway um i do a lot um on the weekends for a friend of mine uh, last weekend we built a little french drain you know uh he didn't pay me anything for my help doing that and uh you know it's just we we could perhaps be doing more things for each other uh, and not getting paid for them. But what we re do we really want to do that or do we really want to just say, okay, well, to heck with it, money is, um, money is all theirs and we have to pay taxes and boo-hoo-hoo. -hoo I'm, I'm just... I'm just imagining on what basis a truly alternative currency would be attractive to Christians 
who, I, I mean, we can't come out of Babylon. I'm going to have to pay my property taxes. I paint my house. Right. I paint my house. The assessor comes along and says, your house is now worth $100 more than it was last year, so we're going to tax you yeah, right. $3 more. Your your taxes going to go up three dollars on and and that would be the result, right? There's actually a lot of people, a lot of older people that I've known and have met, and my own cousins included, in upstate New York, who do not paint their houses for that reason. I, I mean, the paint's That's why falling off. Looks as shabby as it does. The paint's falling off the walls because they are afraid that if they have a contractor coming and paint their home that the assessor is going to increase their property tax. I've seen it. Yes. Yes. And and, and if people wonder why older um older retired people have houses that are peeling and need paint and they never get done, that's why. That that's one significant reason why. Yeah. That's absolutely the case. So so I can't, you know, my property tax is going to increase whether I paint my house or you paint my house for money. It's still going to go up. Yeah. But if I paint my own house, the government can't tax me on a labor. So it, if you're my fellow Christian and you decide to paint my house, then how can the government tax you on a labor unless I use um, their commercial instruments to make an exchange? They can't tax me. Mm-hmm. So if I raise steer and happen to give you a couple of steer, they they can't tax me, and they can't tax you. That that's my point. That's an attractive alternative currency to Christians. Uh, I mean, that's what we should be doing. That that's my opinion. I understand that once you want to save valens in accounts and and keep ledger books, that yes that the government has to get involved or you're going to go to prison. I understand that. They're pure and simple. That is the way, that is the force. Law is force, as Frederick Bastiat said. And uh, they have the force, we don't. That's another thing uh, the ignorant have to get over is uh, a democracy is just some people talking in the foreground while other people make the real decisions in the background. This is what all of the current uh, kerfuffa of, about is about concerning well, the president uh, of the United States. I really believe Bastia existed to legitimize their system in the eyes of the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he gave a couple of somewhat erroneous uh, analogies, you know, of, of things, but. His primary focus was, hey, they say, uh, by force of law. That is, uh, by force of law means if you don't do as we say, then we'll force you to. Or put you in a cage or whatever, whatever others, because they have the force, they have the force right now. And that is the law. Um, if we intend to try to have anything better, to try to have an inflation-proof money, to try to have stable prices over very, very long periods of time, uh, then uh, yeah, we're going to have to um, we're going to have to devise something that, for the time being, um, because we're planning that this 
be something that outlives them and their system. Well, well what we would hope, but that the basically what I'm saying is that the alternative currency at this point, it, if we want to implement it in, in this manner, is not going to take us out of their system. Yeah, apparently it's it's not. But even even if you dealt in Bitcoin, and even if you dealt ultimately overseas, you're still within their system. I mean, um, anytime you can buy something with dollars and sell it for dollars, uh, you're still in their system. What will this the currency, Bitcoin... if you're able to buy with dollars, uh, it would be transferred into gold or silver, but basically uh, you would not be able to get uh, your dollars back out of it because um, because if you did, it would be a money laundry. Right, but Bitcoin is allowing people to operate over distance as if they operated with cash, free of government yep. intervention. That is that I agree with. So long as they never convert the Bitcoin into a bank-issued currency. Right. And don't use a one of the registered Bitcoin exchanges like Coinbase. Right. You, you can operate in pure Bitcoin without any inter any interference. You just can't convert it to dollars or pounds or euros. Right. Right. Any of the other national and, and the currencies. governments are looking into ways to prevent that. I know they are. That that's really yeah. Well, right now, there's uh, cases where people have had their their Bitcoin wallets, uh, you know, seized and stuff. So it's um. No matter what we propose, uh, un, you know their system. It, we we have to play under their rules. Can we have alternative currencies? Yes, we can in states that allow them. Can we circulate some kind of currency other than theirs? Yes, we can, as long as uh, and particularly if it only circulates for six months or less. It's called um, it's called an open check. An open check on a on a um, on an account within on the ledger of the exchange, which is basically the cash account on that exchange. So somebody comes in, and they says, "I've got so many valens in my account. I want valen cash, V checks." So they the exchange takes your balance from your account, puts it into the cash account, and issues you the V-checks. <laughs> can I generate and balance? And, yes, what? Can, can I create balance or, or generate balance on a promise of my own labor? That's how you do it. That's exactly how you do it. You, you issue them on the promise of your own labor, and you get those balance paid back to you um, on payday after you've performed your labor. So I don't have to um, buy balance. No. No, you don't. You issue them. You issue them in exchange for your labor, literally. Okay. And that could be, you could be issued at uh, one valance an hour or two valance an hour, ten valance an hour. 
you know, if you're a brain surgeon, 24 or 5 valves an hour, whatever is required for your level of talent, expertise, whatever is required, uh, you, you can have them, uh, you issue them against your, against your labor. That's how 90% or better of them will be, will be issued. What Regal had in mind doing was a series of parallel contracts with everybody that had jobs and were not getting adequately paid because Regal understood that by and large, most labor, particularly manual labor, was not adequately paid what it was really worth. Um, and that was one of the one of his motivations. You asked about lawyers. Attorneys who yeah. accept Christian identity in 2C line. And you yeah. ask if that's hard. Um, I have thousands of listeners and hundreds of correspondents, and I know of one. I know of one. And, and I don't even know if he would want to become involved in this, but I know of one attorney amongst all my listeners and correspondents. I did know of two, but the other one kind of dropped out. He he's, um, was never really Christian identity anyway. So, so that's. Yeah. I'm just answering your question. Um, I think it's going to be something very difficult for for <sighs> most lawyers in my per, in in my estimation are very worldly men who who really don't care about religion. Uh, I mean, there are a few exceptions. That that's my own personal opinion of of lawyers in general. If for nothing there else, three, there were three times in my life when I was offered the chance to go study law and to become a lawyer. And my father remarked at one point uh, in my life that lawyers were of the among the four worst classes of men. The others being. Uh, Politicians, actors, and clergymen. I would have to agree. Um, if for nothing else, I was curious that he. I was curious that he didn't mention bankers, and my father's response to that was, he says, "Well, not all bankers are dishonorable men." It's like, well, all right. Not all bankers. I've met a few bankers who were actually I sort of normal. I imagine that most bankers aren't really um, concerned or aware of the, the moral problems centered around use. Not at all. They are not aware at all of any of it. To them, they just operate a machine. That's all. Right. And, and most bankers that I've met, and, and I have met a few, are unaware that money is even created from nothing. That they don't really understand how money works. Right. That this fiat money, they don't understand how it works. Stolen fiat money. <laughs> Basically, that's what it is. It's yeah. stolen, stolen fiat money. <laughs> they don't have a right to issue it on anybody's behalf. They have no really outstanding authority uh, to do what they do. They just do it 
and they get away with it because they've gotten away with it for hundreds of years. Well, well they get away with it because governments license them the ability to get away with it. And governments became their best credit risk customers and are enslaved forever in their clutches. Well, well, just like bankers, I'm certain that most of our congressmen, legislators, politicians don't understand that the money is actually created from nothing and, and that the people who create it from nothing ha have a license issued by these, gov by these governments to profit from it for, for, for nothing, basically. Yeah. Um, Mr. Uh, Carol Quigley expressed it very well in his book, Tragedy and Hope, which really is must-reading for everybody. Sorry, it's a big, long book, but uh, it really separates the men from the boys. So if you haven't read it, you better buckle down and read it. If you read nothing else, read his chapter on Great Britain and draw the appropriate conclusions. But uh, he described, no matter what it is, Money is a claim on resources. So therefore, what these bankers do is they not only create money that never, that did not come into existence from a transaction involving value. Not only has not only that not happened, but they get, they get the, uh, the value in exchange for this money that they didn't even really earn by any productive work themselves is another form of capitalism. Except it's, <laughs> it's uh, capitalism plus the ability to loan into existence money that you don't even have and ask more back than you actually created. That's really what it is. Let's pull these people's pants down so everybody can see what's under there. It's literally <laughs> a con on a con. Okay. If for nothing else, I pray that this program raises our listeners' awareness about money, what money is, and, and um, all of the issues related to speculation and and or use of an alternative currency yes and and i think that the um if if you know we didn't touch on it in this program that the ec regal blog would be a, a good place to begin continuing education oh i would really appreciate it if everybody it's sort of a compendium of information which is growing and there's a lot there. I try not to be boring. I try to be as uh, insightful and pointed as I need to be concerning the points that I make um, and the solutions that I advocate. Uh, I would appreciate if somebody would come out of the woodwork and be um, a lawyer because, you know, I've, I've worked with lawyers and I understand and I know about reading the law and all of that stuff, but I also know ultimately that it's Caesar and we have to deal with Caesar. That's why anything like this requires a lawyer because you, you need a watchdog to keep you from being um, hounded by them until they are no more because they're rapidly falling apart. But then if they fall apart tomorrow, and they say, well, you know, your money isn't worth anything, therefore we're going to give you some other money. 
are you going to take it? You see, uh, that's what's happened many, many times over the world's history. And uh, there's no reason why any of us should take it any longer. We should develop our own, and we should have the experience managing our own. We should not leave it to the scribes who like to write and take care of details. We should be taking up the writing and the details ourselves. We should have done it thousands of years ago. Yahweh God told us to, but we didn't. So now it's time for us to do that, to become perhaps as wise as Solomon and be able to um, trample underfoot all of their um, money, including all of their pieces of gold and silver. I remember when I was a kid, when uh, they had silver coin back in those days, and when silver fell on the ground, sometimes people would just not pick it up. Sometimes it would be swept up and thrown in the trash. That's what we need. We need a money that we value more than, because we work for it. Because it's ours. We issued it. It's ours. All right. Well, okay. Thank you very much. Well, well, thank you, David. It's been interesting, and, and um, I'm sure it'll be worthwhile. This program right. will broadcast on Saturday at Christagenia. Yahweh bless. Your link, your your blog will be linked in the program in in the program announcement and in the program posting. Thank you for joining us and praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Good night. Good night.